John, our guest this week is the general manager of the surprising Miami Marlins, Kim Ang. Yeah, I mean, it's been a great story. Uh, Ten days ago, the Mets and the Marlins were tied. Now the Marlins are six games ahead of the Mets. I never would have believed it. I give them all the credit in the world. I give her the credit. She's done a terrific job, and uh, it'll be great to have her on. We've both known him for, for, for a long time, and uh, it's going to be a great, a great interview. Yeah, we've known her for a quarter of a century. We've known for a few weeks that the Mets are in big trouble. We're going to talk about that big trouble. We'll talk about the interview I had with Steve Cohn and what the owner of the Mets said. And, John, we're going to try it again. We're going to see if we believe in the Angels or not. Oh, no. That's if you stick with us on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You know, John, we we have a bit of a Groundhog's Day going on with our show. Every week, uh, to some level, we come on the show and we talk about the underachieving teams. And we're like, hey, let's see what happens next week and next week. And it's still early for the Cardinals and the Padres and the Phillies, etc. And another week ticks by and another week ticked by for the Mets, who are in that category, certainly the largest payroll by a lot in the history of the game, coming off a 101-win season and the playoffs and tons of expectation. And, John, here we are again, uh, the Subway Series this week, Mets and Yankees, and the Mets are still, as we speak, I believe four games under 500. What, what, what do you make of it? I'm shocked. I mean, this has really been terrible. It's a terrible start. They lost eight out of nine. Uh, pitching, they're near the bottom. Offense is not good. I mean, it was certainly very interesting and great job by you to get Steve Cohn, friend of the show, but also a friend of you, apparently. And uh, <laughs> it was something. I mean, he showed amazing restraint. Maybe it's of- just big respect and not friendship. Okay, well, whatever. Well, Let's, anyway, either yeah. way, uh, he showed in, in, incredible restraint with his comments. It wasn't great restraint talking to you for an hour, but uh, and also on his wife's birthday. So you could... He probably isn't too happy with the team that he's going to spend an hour with you on his wife's birthday. You know, I thought I give him credit for showing restraint. I think he underplayed the team's uh, patheticness. Is that a word? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he tagged it all to the pitching. Uh, the hitting isn't good either. Uh, they're like 20th and slug, 20th and uh, on base. Uh, this is a team that was fifth top five in runs last year. Uh, bottom half in everything offensively. I mean, they're bottom third in pitching. So, you know, if you're going to pick one or the other, yeah, the pitching has been worse than the hitting. But, uh, I mean, I thought he kind of soft-sold the, the hitting a bit. I don't. What, what did you think? Their hitting isn't good either, as far as I can tell. Yeah, look, I, I think he used the term at least three or four times when we spoke where he thought the pitching, the poor starting pitching in particular was having the term he used, the cascading effect, which is bad start overexposing what's already a short bullpen, especially because Diaz isn't there in the back to push everyone into a more normal certain role for them. And then, you know, does that put some pressure on the offense to have to overcome that as well? And the defense. So I think, I think at its root, and I also think he believes that he took over an organization that essentially had no pitching prospects and no pr- pitching plan, like technology, a pitching lab, et cetera. And he feels very far, so much further behind in that area. 
And that if you got to kind of try to guess at 12 or 13 pitchers to put on your staff and you have any kind of regression, like he did with the few prospects they had, David Peterson and Tyler McGill, you're really in the quicksand. I think that's how he feels about it. I mean, but John, I'm, go ahead. You want to I mean, it can affect the bullpen, but I, I don't think that's a good excuse for the offense. Uh, if they yeah. feel more pressure, that's on them. Uh, you know, to me, Looking at it, Lindor has not been a $341 million player. Marte has not been a $78 million player. McNeil has not hit like a batting champion. I mean, to me, those are three guys who just not done it like they've done in the past, like certainly like they did it last year. I get it. The pitching has been worse. It's more surprising. The, the starting pitching was ranked number one, I know, by MLB.com. not blaming them. I think they were up there in my eyes as well. Uh, I get it. The pitching is more of a disappointment. The offense has not been good either. And that's with Alvarez coming out of nowhere to be great. Yeah. You know, John, look, just to put a finer point on this, I think I've said this on the show a lot. So as we do this week to week breakdown with them, which is like, what are the Mets good at? Like at some point you're going to have to win 10 of 15 or 15, 18. Just again, they're 17 in runs scored per game. They're 26th in ERA, which is 25th in starter ERA and 22nd in relief ERA. And they're 21st in defensive run save. Well, that's offense, defense, starting pitching, and relief pitching. They're in the bottom third of the league in all of it. They're not good at anything. It's well, hard to win games. They haven't been good at anything. They they right. they played poorly. I mean, right. It's 40% of the season, though, now. Well, they you know, it's not any of these things, right? Yes. I mean, uh, yeah, they got two guys on the way to the Hall of Fame. Uh, the rest of the rotation should be solid, not terrible. Uh, that lineup should be good. Is it the best lineup in baseball? You no, have a theory? Because I, I kept asking Steve, what's your theory? Why is this happening? Do you you watch every night? You're watching nine innings a night for now about 68 plus games. Yeah. Like, like, do you have a thought about what's going on here? Why it's, it's, it's malfunction on every level of what should be a pretty quality group of players? Well, I'm sure, you know, they probably think that WBC had some, and certainly the Diaz injury hurt them. You know, I did see that Buck mentioned Lindor being in the WBC. They had more WBC players than anybody except, guess who? St. St. Louis. Louis, yeah. Right. So, and the guys who played in the WBC generally have not been good anywhere. Look at Trey Turner. He was the best, I covered the WBC, he was the best player in the WBC. He hasn't been good. The only one who's really been great is Otani. And, you know, he's a, he's inhuman. You know, he's <laughs> yeah, incredible. Yeah. Uh, everybody else has been bad. So, I mean, if they're going to have a theory, that's probably their theory. Does it hold water? I'm not sure. It shouldn't to this degree. Uh, it shouldn't should impact Verlander and Scherzer who weren't there. Right. No. Like they well, stayed they're... behind on purpose. You know, the other theory would be the pitch clock, right? The younger teams, yeah. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Arizona, have done better. And certainly they tested in the minor leagues and the minor leaguers are generally young people. So I don't think it got the word got to the major leagues. Like if you're 40 years old, you better watch out for this pitch clock. You know, I don't think anybody really uh, considered that the way they should have, because I mean, Verlander just has not been good. Scherzer has been, you know, he's been better than your average pitcher. I think he's got a ERA plus of maybe 111, something like that, but he certainly has not been a hall of fame caliber pitcher. Uh, and he's missed some time. So, you know, I, I do think that the pitch clock and the WBC, maybe they're maybe it does hold some water for those two things. But uh, you know what? I don't know that either of us getting any better at this point. The pitch clock, uh, you know, once it gets warmer, it's still going to be just as fast. Is it going to be any better if you're old? I don't know. So it's it's quite concerning. Those would be my theories. Other than that, I couldn't tell. They won 101 games last year. It's a fairly similar team, plus Alvarez. Obviously, the loss of Bassett. Bassett's been really good. That didn't help, but uh, it's it's a mess. It's been a mess, and uh, it's very concerning. They still should – They, I mean, I still think they should make the playoffs in the National League. I don't know. Uh, but Arizona's been really good. Pittsburgh's been pretty good, and uh, Miami's been pretty good, so – or very good. So yeah, yeah. You know, they the may pitch, not make it. The pitch clock – Maybe explains Verlander. Maybe it explains Scherzer. It doesn't explain the offense. To your point that this is not a singular malfunction. You know, Jeff McNeil felt like the kind of guy 
You know, we have uh, Kim Ang coming up next. Uh, we're certainly going to talk about Luis Araz. You know, he felt like some level of that, just wind him up and he'll hit over 300 with some impact. Uh, not only is it not over 300, there's like zero impact. Like his extra base hits are like like once a week at this point, if that much. Marte got like, like as if he went from a good player to needing an AARP card overnight. Uh, like that, that went in the, the, the wrong direction. And, you know, Lindor, is it because he's trying to get power? He's become such an all or nothing player. You know, his defense remains state of the art, but, you know, and he's hitting some home runs, driving in some runs, but man, there's a lot of empty at bats there from him. Uh, you know, to your point, John, it's not a singular area malfunction right now. And I, I'm not exactly sure what happened to the offense. No, I mean, part of it, hitting with runners in scoring position, which was really great last year, is not good this year. That's one thing I'll say on Lindor. With the RBI total that he's had with that terrible batting average, he must be hitting a, a bit better than most with runners in scoring position. And as bad as the Padres with runners in scoring position or down around 200. But they have not been good. They've had no power with runners in scoring position. Um, you know, I, I would have said going in, a weakness was they didn't really have a number five hitter behind Alonzo, which would help Alonzo. Now Alonzo's out, so you don't have a four or a five hitter. You know, once Alonzo comes back, I do think Alvarez probably should be the five hitter. He's been the you know, second best power hitter on the team. Maybe they'll get it together. I mean, you know, to this point, Alonzo did about what you expect. Nimmo's done about what you expect. You know, I'm not sure anybody else has on offense. Uh, pitching, obviously, is even worse. Uh, Robertson's been fantastic, but everybody else has been mediocre to bad on the pitching front, basically. You know, you know John, you mentioned it. We're, uh, there's a Subway Series uh, about to begin as we're, we're, we're doing the this, this show and the leader in the NL and AL and homers, Alonzo and Judge, are both going to miss miss this uh, this series uh, and and probably the uh, at least the next month for both guys. Um, the Yankees are at least good at run prevention, so maybe they could figure out a way scoring three or four runs a game to 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 stay in it. But Alonzo represents like the second highest percentage of homers for any any player towards his whole team's group. And the Mets already were kind of negatively home run challenged, how much their staff gives up to how much their lineup produces. And I, you know, like the loss of Alonzo, like the loss of Judge, just feels devastating for them. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've knocked on the Mets enough. I'm glad you mentioned the Yankees and the run prevention. They've done a good job. Once again, you know, they're in the top third and the run prevention. Let's give them some credit you know, they won some games without Judge. They're, they're not hitting. They don't hit without Judge. Yeah, uh, no. I mean, terrible. Nobody's doing anything. And even Rizzo, who was great early, has done nothing in the last week or so since he came back from the neck injury. I don't know if it's still bothering him. I mean, LeMahieu is not hit this year. Uh, you know, they're, they're just not doing it. Uh, up and down that lineup, Volpe, I mean, at some point, they're going to have to consider what to do about it. I mean, he's hitting well under 200 at this point, but... Let let there's something good happening in New York, and that's the run prevention from the Yankees. Considering, you know, Severino recently came back and he's been kind of spotty. Rodon, we still have not seen him in a game yet, and yet the Yankees pitching is good. So uh, that's really what's saving this baseball season in New York so far. Pitching and defense for them, uh, yeah. John. I thought thought as a way to kind of uh, you know end our first segment, we'd maybe poke fun at ourselves a little bit. As you remember, like we've, we've referred to this, if you listen to us uh, with any regularity, first of all, thank you. You know, like er early last season, we were playing like, like real or fake some game like that. And the, uh, and the angels were 24 and 13 and we did, are they real and fake? And both of you and I jumped into that pool. Like, yeah, they've got it all figured out. And soon after we were quite a jinx, they went on a 14 game losing streak at loss number 13, Joe Madden, the manager was fired. Uh, as opposed to Rob Thompson, a former Yankee coach, helping the Phillies once he became the manager when a manager was fired during the season. Another Yankee coach, Phil Nevin, couldn't do any better. Well, as we talk to you now, after that seventh straight losing season, they've just won seven of eight. They just went uh, five and uh, I'm sorry, six to seven. They just went five and one on a homestand. They're 36 and 31, six and a half games out of first place, only one and a half out of a wild card. It's a little later in the season. And they're playing well. And I guess I'm asking this question because we all playing the Otani game. Will they play badly enough where they seriously consider moving him? So, John, 
do we believe in this team that it will be in the race over at least the next month or so where that where where yeah. they feel compelled to buy instead of sell? Yeah, once I'm all in, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay all in and I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna keep keep patting them on the back until they do it and I'm proven right. Maybe it'll be 10 years from now. I don't know. But I mean, I had them as a World Series team this year with the Padres. You should see how good my predictions are. Uh, I thought they did great in the offseason. Obviously, you start with a base of Trout and Otani, and I don't think they're going to trade Otani. As you said, they're only game and a half out. American League is tougher than the National League. If they were in the National League, they'd be a playoff team at this point already. Uh, I liked Estevez, who's done well as the closer. I love that pickup. Matt Moore, he's gotten hurt a little bit. I like that pickup. Uh, Hunter Renfro, I like that. Urshela is hitting over 300. They've, they've made a lot of nice pickups and really improved their depth, which was their issue last year in hindsight. And I, it does seem like I need hindsight to be able to tell you what's <laughs> going on. I, I'm nothing without hindsight, but I, I'm sticking with my angels. It's a tough road in the American League. There are a lot of good teams. Uh, you know, I mean, right now, outside that playoff picture are some very good teams, including Seattle and, and some others. So, not going to be easy, but I'm sticking with my angel. I, I, I get to include you in this, our angels. Yeah, our angels. Look, um, John, I think we both know the owner of the team, Artie Moreno, is uh, he literally told you at an owner's meeting uh, a couple of months ago that he doesn't want to trade Otani. So, I mean, his strong leaning is not to trade him. So all he has to see is a glimmer of hope that they could possibly be a factor. And they're at least giving them a that. I think you hit the key point. They weren't a very deep team. You mentioned a lot of the players. You didn't mention Brandon Drury, who's actually helping them as well, was another guy they signed in the offseason. You know, they their starting pitching was okay last year. Uh, they added Tyler Anderson, and it's worse this year. You know, Otani is yeah. the only guy in their rotation who's generally pitching well. They need those other guys, Detmers and Anderson and Sandoval, right. and, you know, like Canning to pitch better and maybe – for a trade to do something else. But I think their inclination will be, as long as they have a shot, they they temperamentally yeah. just, like even though you and I might look at it from 10,000 feet and go over the next five to 10 years, they'd be so much better off trading Otani because they probably really can't win-win this year. But I just don't think emotionally that's where their owner's at. No, I mean, if they were going to trade him, they should have done last year when they had two years to go and they could have gotten a ton. They'd still get a lot. I, I get that, but... Uh, he just does not have the stomach for it. He loves stars, and this is the biggest star in baseball. So um, I, I'm not seeing it. Uh, certainly with them over five, anything over 500, I, I see no way. They may take they may take offers and see what they are, and he's not going to like any of them. That's that's what I see happening. Well, another surprise team besides the Angels is the Miami Marlins, who, as we speak, are tied for the third best record in the National League. And when we come back next on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman, we'll be joined by their general manager, Kim A. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. And our guest this week is somebody John and I have known for quite a long time. I'm sorry, Kim makes us all sound older when I say something like that, but uh, you became the assistant general manager of the New York Yankees in 1998. You'd obviously had worked in baseball for the White Sox before then, but that's John and I have known you since then. And it's hard to believe how many years have passed. And obviously you're a pioneer, the first uh, female uh, person to run operations, in your case, baseball operations in any of the four major sports. You're in your third year doing that for the Marlins. And Kim Ang, we appreciate you joining us on, on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, yeah, I think that's just where we are in life right now. i got a lot of Frosties up here to prove it. 
<laughs> well, I, I think I think the two of us have you beat individually and certainly combined. Uh, Kim, as we're sitting here, uh, your your team is one of the surprise teams in the sport this year. You're 30, 37 and twenty nine. Uh, you, I, I believe, you're tied for the uh, third best record in the National League as we're speaking uh, early this week. And I just wonder what, what you know, like on one hand, you're thirty seven and twenty nine. That's the only one that counts. But a lot of this is built on one-run games, right? Which tend to be fickle. I think you're 17 and five. Your run differential is minus 20, which usually is ref more reflective of, of a record. When you're sitting and trying to figure out what kind of team do you have, what kind of team do you have? You know, I think I listen. I I look at it from opening day to now, and I look at the changes that we've made. Um, I look at the improvements over the course of the last two months, um, and I see a club that's getting better. Um, you know, and gaining more confidence, um, particularly in critical situations. Um, I can tell you two years ago, my first year on the job, um, we had a very good, well, I wouldn't say very good. We had a neutral run differential, um, but it wasn't showing up in the one loss record. Um, last year, we were 24 and 40 in one run games and really tried to, you know, dig down and, and um, you know, correct that some, you know, improve on that some. And I think we really have, um, obviously proofs in the pudding, um, you know, how many of the 17 wins are, are quote, real, real, um, not sure, but I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just, I guess I would just say, you know, between, um, like I mentioned, you know, the improving offense in critical situations, I think we did a lot of work this off season on the bullpen, um, the back end of the bullpen in particular, you know, adding AJ Puck, you know, uh, Dylan Flora was healthy at the start. And so that was really helpful. We've had Tanner Scott, who saved 20 games for us last year. Um, so there, you know, there are some guys who are really are performing back there. So we're pretty happy about that. Well, you're certainly right about the improvement. Well, your run differential is negative 20 right now. It was closer to negative 50 a few weeks ago. So you're certainly on the upswing. Uh, I'm sure you're pretty pleased. You're 37-29, same as the Dodgers, six games better than the Mets, which is obviously the biggest spending team. I'm sure you're pretty pleased. Are you surprised uh, to be in this position at this point? Yeah, look, I think we, you know, we all feel that we have a talented bunch here. Um, definitely not necessarily all household recognized names, um, but but a talented bunch nonetheless. And you know, we have you know, a good number of young players who are on the rise. So. Um, I would say that I'm not surprised now sort of seeing the improvement and the confidence that this group is is gaining as each day goes on. You know, Kim, uh, just with the way that the top of your division was spending, notably Philadelphia and New York, and how good Atlanta has been year over year, the five-time defending division champ, you do have an inflection point where you're deciding you're going to use a good veteran starter like Pablo Lopez to make a trade. I think from the outside, I would have thought like, huh, maybe maybe we need to turn that into more prospects and punt to a day where those teams might not be as good. Why did you decide to go after it by getting someone like Luis Raz instead of kind of like trying to just keep building? You know, I think at a certain point, you know, you, you know, we've built for a number of years. I think at a certain point, you really, you, you know, really try and take a hard look at where you are. Um, like I said, not necessarily household names, but a talented bunch um, that you know we believed in, um, and you know, the pitching was. I'm not sure you can ever say there was a surplus, but um, was certainly a strength of ours, um, and felt that you know we that, you know, our fans deserved for us to to go after this, um, you know, and again, based on where we were, just felt like we needed another bat um, and could, you know, make that exchange in an even kind of way where both clubs win in the deal. Um, you know, we added Louis Arise. I'm not sure any of us would have predicted that we'd be sitting here, you know, on June 12th, where he's hitting close to 400, um, but knew that he was a very productive hitter. Um, and, you know, we've been able to put him all over the lineup, whether it's in the leadoff, you know, as Jazz is healing and on the mend or whether it was in the number four hole, which is a little bit unorthodox. But, you know, when you've got traffic on the bases and you need that key hit, um, yeah, there's there's not really many others that I'd want to have in that spot. Yeah. You know, it seemed like for years, obviously, your offense lagged a bit, but it seemed like it was a little bit of a hit and miss 
offense with a lot of home run potential guys and a lot of strikeouts. Um, now you acquired not only a rise, is threatening to hit 400, but Segura really hasn't hit like he normally does. Uh, Guriel, uh, Xavier Edwards, it seems like you've acquired a lot of uh, contact guys. Was that done on purpose? It was. It was. You know, I, I and we all come from the from that Yankee era, um, you know, 1998, and and you know that team was built largely on on base um, with some slug. It was an interesting club because it was a club that you know not one of those players hit 30 home runs, but they were on base quite a bit. There was a lot of traffic, and so I felt like you know having come from that era from that group. Um, you know, having seen that type of club, you know, really felt like that was something that we needed to inject into the club, into this club. Um, and so, you know, there were actually even a couple of other additions, you know, between um, Jordan Groshans, who gets on base, you know, a fair amount. Um, and, um, you know, Amaya, the shortstop that we acquired for Miggy Rojas, um, but really trying to add in that type of player. Um, so, you know, not only the ones that are playing every day, but the ones that you're going to lean on throughout the year, um, you know, when inevitable injuries happen as well. You know, you mentioned you never could have enough starting pitching. We would have thought that would be your strength, right? Your underlying strength. Among other things, you had the defending NL Cy Young Award winner, one of the kind of like almost like Justin Verlander 2-0 in Sandy Alcantara. Uh he pitched very well in his last start against the White Sox, but the overall numbers this year are no, look nothing like his last few years. I think as we're sitting here, he's got about a 4.75 ERA. Kim, what what are you seeing, and what do you think you get the rest of the year? You know, I think look, I think we've all been waiting for the you know Sandy that we've known for the last couple of years to appear. I think we're starting to see glimpses. Um, you know, he's he's had a down uh, couple of months, you know, and I think there's no one more disappointed than he is at his performance. And you can see it on his face um, every day. It wears on him. But I, you know, I think we all are seeing light at the end of the tunnel uh, in terms of, you know, where he is and the progression that he's currently making and the improvements that we see, you know, and he's been a little bit off, but um you know, think that the Sandy of of old is coming back quickly. Yeah, I want to ask you a little bit about your manager. I texted you about this about a month ago or so, so we had a little bit of exchange, but I want to get a little more in depth. I, I think you really hit a home run with your manager. I think uh, Skip Schumacher is really terrific from everything that I hear. I want to ask you about him and the process to some degree as well. I know you had 10, including Luis Rojas, who was in your final four, I believe, and it came down, I think, and you can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, but it came down basically to Schumacher and uh, Quattraro, and uh, obviously Rojas was in that mix as well. But uh, it seemed like the final two were Quattraro and Schumacher, and there were some, and they I think both of them were loved by your people there, obviously to be the final two out of ten. But my understanding is that. Many or some in your organization favored Quattraro, which was a, a more of a obvious selection as he had more experience as certainly as a bench coach with the Rays. And you ultimately uh, picked Schumacher. So, uh, you know, take me through that a bit and uh, tell me a little bit about Skip. Sure. Um, you know, the, the process was fairly exhaustive. Um, you know, we had a lot of names to start, huge list, called it down to 10 um, got to the second round. And yes, those were the names, including Joe Espada. Um, you know, not to get specific about any one of them besides Skip. Um, you know, Skip just just stood out for me personally in terms of what I thought this club needed. Um, you know, tons of energy, really bright guy. Um, and, you know, I've said this a number of times, talked about winning from the get-go. And so that was something that was really compelling telling um you know in the beginning when we started this search you know thing that I that I said to the media was I wanted somebody who would be relentless in their pursuit of a win every single night and that's really the personality that came through in the interviews both interviews um that we had um yeah I can tell you between um a couple of my colleagues and I calling over a hundred people between the three of us um just really couldn't find uh, anything on the negative uh, in terms of skip. And that's really um, just 
shown through, um, you know, and watching him work and, and, you know, putting together the staff that, that he did, um, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a great story. Tim, I wonder if you could walk us through the tightrope a little bit about what you're going to have to deal with, with Yuri Perez, uh, who has obviously pitched very, very well for you through six starts to 217 ERA. It's 12 combined starts right now between the majors and minors. And I think that it's about 60 innings pitched. And I saw something over the weekend. I don't know if it's it's correct or not that you want to limit to him to about 110, 115 innings. And yet you might just be in the race and he might be one of your best starters. How do you navigate this from now through the whole season? Yeah, you know, listen, he is uh, he's 20 years old, all of 20 years old. Um, not sure what I was doing at 20, but it certainly wasn't uh, pitching in a major league game. So he's um, he's just a tremendous kid. Um, you know, in terms of where we go with him, you know, obviously we're being very cautious with him, um, very careful in terms of his pitches, in terms of his innings. Um, you know, it, uh, some of this is going to depend on where our other pitching is as well. You know, we've got Trevor Rogers on the IL, we've got, got Johnny Cueto doing rehab starts. So that's all going to, um, you know, be in the fold, you know, in terms of, of where we end up with him. We don't have an exact number on Yuri. Um, you know, we're looking at, you know, how his innings go. I mean, his stressful innings, his easy innings, and really making sure that we just keep a very close eye on the whole situation. Uh, this is going to be very inside baseball, but your your team is one of the few that has really done a terrific job developing pitchers. But the hitters have not, you've not been as successful developing hitters. You've got some good young ones, uh, but most of them came through trade. I believe Sanchez and De La Cruz did come through trade. They might've spent some time in your minors, but tell me wh why do you think that is? Is there any, it's just a happenstance, small sample size, but like I said, great with pitchers, haven't developed a ton of hitters to this point. You know, I would say it's a small sample size. I also say that, you know, some of the, um, you know, young hitters that we have developed. So, for example, J.J. Bleday is not necessarily in the organization anymore, but we use him to acquire J.J. Uh, A.J. Puck. Um, we've taken a look at it, you know, and, you know, we'll continue to do so. But, um, you know, I think, look, I think we have a new staff in place, um, you know, Brant Brown and his group, and really looking at how to, you know, to the extent that you can call, you know, our last month, month and a half, you know, success, you know, how do we translate that to the minors and make sure that we have everybody going in the right direction? You know, Kim, you're obviously going to gather more information in the coming weeks. You got to get through the draft, et cetera. But sitting here today, you would look to be a buyer. I'm wondering, uh, are you prepared to be a buyer? How forcefully do you do that when you still, I'm sure, in your marketplace want to protect being a buyer and forgive the multiple question, how uh, how much will Bruce Sherman let you do it as far as your owner, as far as uh, adding to the payroll, if that's what's needed between now and uh, August 1st? I think, you know, I think Bruce and the ownership group have been very supportive, um, you know, haven't necessarily been in this position the last couple of years. Um, but, you know, I, I do believe in the upcoming conversations that we'll have, um, they will be very supportive, um, you know, Bruce has has told me many times, you know, this is what it's all about. This is what we're trying to do. We're trying to win, trying to win for the fans of Miami. And, you know, he's been he's been there backing us up the whole way. You know, I don't know if this, this is a question for you or perhaps somebody even above you. You're pretty high up there. Uh, how do you get fans to Miami? I, I mean, I went to a game. I took my family and uh, I always pay for the my ticket and we got like this great luxury box and it was like a hundred dollars a ticket, something very inexpensive. Uh, you know, it's difficult to make money at that rate uh, because, you know, if I got this ticket with the Yankees, it probably would have been a thousand dollars. I don't know. How do you, you have a good team. Uh, you have a lot of exciting young players, particularly on the pitching end, but now you have position players. You have a guy threatening to hit 400. What can we do to get more fans to the games? You know, look, I think it hasn't, um, you know, we're happy about the the Heat and the Panthers. Uh, <laughs> I would say that it's probably been a little bit of distraction for the Marlins fans. Um, but, you know, I think, first of all, we have to, con you know, continue to perform, um, continue to win. 
And I think the fans will come, um, you know, but it's, it's going to be, you know, group effort between the business side and the baseball side um, to really try and get, to get folks in and, and to have them notice that, yeah, we have Sandy Alcantara who won the Cy Young award last year. We had three all-stars from the club last year and Louis Arise, you know, who's, who's been just terrific for us. Uh, just to put a, a finer take on it, uh, you're averaging about 11,500 a game. It's the second lowest in the sport, lowest in the national league. It's look, the, the, the organization has had 30 years of trying to get fans in to see games and it's been problematic to build a fan base. I'm wondering uh, if you could update on us on, on uh, Jazz Chisholm. Uh, number one, where is he as far as uh, when you might expect him back? And also, do you believe you've done the right thing by putting him in center field? Uh, so Jazz is entering into baseball activity now. Um, he was in a boot for three weeks or so. Um, he's now doing baseball activities. And so I saw him run on the field the other day. Um, so he's getting there. He's probably several weeks away still. Um, we'll get him in some rehab games, um, doing the right thing by putting him in center field. Um, I haven't checked the center field metrics in a while because jazz hasn't been there, but, um, the last I checked, he was probably ranked in about the top five of center fielders, depending on which, um, defensive metrics you look at. Sorry about that. Um, so, um, yeah, I think, look, I think, you know, he is, you know, and I've said this before, he's a dynamic player. Um, I think his instincts are very good. And I think he proved to a lot of people, you know, is a little bit rough in the beginning, um, the first several weeks. But um, I think since then, he's proved that he can play the position. I think, you know, when you look at the outfield with him back there, um, back in the lineup, you've got, you know, Sanchez, you've got Chisholm, and you've got De La Cruz. So, I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's a little, that's pretty exciting for, for, for us, you know, when we look at it and hopefully for Marlins fans as well. Um, and then you've got Louis Arise at second base and, you know, and you, and you, and we're building, you know, we're building and we're competing. And so, you know, it's, it, listen, it wasn't an easy decision. I think, you know, it says a lot. Um, about jazz that he was willing to do that um, we did not make this decision lightly we made it with the player um, you know jointly and you know we didn't do it uh, for no reason I mean we were able to acquire Louis Arise and jazz you know specifically said for Louis Arise heck yes uh, again, you know, it says a lot about him and 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 his idea of team and, and willing to go out there. But I think, you know, Jazz, to his credit, has really proved a lot of people. Um, you know, like I said, he got a, he got a lot of um, stuff thrown his way in the beginning. But I think he's proved to a lot of people and himself that he can do it and that he can be top of the game uh, out there. Uh, this question's probably not completely fair as the draft is a. Very inexact science. Uh, but I think it was the 2022 draft. There was a kid from Miami at the Doral Academy, Zach Neto, uh, eventually did play in college. And uh, you guys did not take him. I think you uh, – now you have gone for more contact hitters, you know, lately with certainly the Rice, Segura, several others. But I think you took a power hitter, and they may take longer to develop. But certainly – it's only been since 2022, I think. So did you consider Neto? I was now starting shortstop with the Angels. Very good defender. He's doing okay with the bat uh, at the big league level. Did you consider him? And, you know, do you have any second thoughts about that? I mean, I guess you can't look back at every draft choice. It is, as I said, pretty inexact. You know, we considered a lot of players, um, you know, including Neto. Um, you know, so I think, you know, everyone in retrospect – you know, if, if everyone knew that, you know, Neto was to the big leagues in a year um, or two years, actually one year, um, you know, that that they they would thought about it differently. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, this is not the way it goes. Yeah. You know, Kim, uh, just we were talking pitching before you, you, you know, one of the reasons with the starting pitching is you just have a lot of it out right now. Right. Johnny Cueto's out. Rogers is out. Uh, Trevor Rogers. Uh, who's not pitched for a while now. I wonder, uh, do you expect any or all of them back? And what, what is the time frame? Um, 
you know, in terms of, you know, so Trevor Rogers, um, you know, he was doing his uh, rehab start the other day, um, had a little uh, discomfort in his non-throwing shoulder. So um, we're getting him evaluated. Uh, Johnny Cueto, I mentioned, was doing his rehab starts. Um, Sixto Sanchez, um, we've shut him down for a bit. So, um, you know, the others, uh, who else did you mention? No, those those three in particular, because they're just starting pitching, you know, it might give you something within your organization to even use in trades in the next few weeks if you feel like you're good at the major league level. I was just wondering if you feel like you'll have the brunt of it back at the major league level to be able to maybe use something if you need to. My guess is we'll have one to two back um, definitely within the next several weeks. You know, I want to ask you uh, about your career. Uh, You know, was there a point, because you're the only female general manager in baseball history, uh, was there a point whether you doubted that you would get here? Uh, You know, you were assistant GM for three different teams. you know, it seemed like you were a candidate in many places. Uh, so while you're still young, it seemed like it took a while. Uh, you are here. And uh, do you think there is a systematic, uh, you know, uh, makes it difficult difficulty for females to rise to this level? You know, I think um, for me personally, of course, I think, you know, there were definite periods of disappointment, um, you know, but we eventually got here, um, you know, in terms of s- systemic, um, you know, I, I think that the commissioner's office is doing a good job of getting um, a lot more female candidates into the pipeline. Um, you know, they've got a lot of uh, programming and fellowships, et cetera, to try and help get more women into the system. But from what I'm seeing, you know, a lot of these women are, you know, a good number of these women are are rising through the ranks. Uh, we've got Eve Rosenbaum with Baltimore, um, you know, uh, Sarah with, um, uh, I believe it's the Astros. So we're, you know, we're starting to 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 rise up the ranks. Um, is it fast enough? It's never fast enough, um, right? It, it's never fast enough. But you know, I think the 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 good thing is that the ceiling did get shattered. Um, and, you know, and then there's a pathway. I think that's the most important thing for, for everyone to realize is that it, there is a pathway, um, you know, and hopefully, uh, you know, this season um, ends up well for the Marlins and, and it's, you know, a pathway to being, you know, quote, a successful general manager as well, right? And I think as long as people see that and acknowledge it, um, I think the numbers will get better and I think we'll we'll see advancement um expedited for sure yeah party big part of your success again we refer to the rise trade is that trade i mean he has been spectacular we had jose trevino on uh, early this season and he noted he mentioned this was before he was threatening it 400 that a rise was the toughest hitter in the league to get in the leagues so um you know he knows he knows his hitters being an outstanding catcher uh I mean, I guess we're all a little surprised. Uh, what do you think? Uh, can he hit 400 for the season? You know, it's obviously it's very difficult to do. Um, but if there's somebody that I think can do it, it would be him. Um, you know, I get I've now gotten to watch this guy every day for the last several months work. Um, and it's you know, it really is impressive. You know, um, the work ethic, the determination, um, you know, how he thinks about this, um, you know, how he watches the defenders and then basically puts it where they're not. Um, it, it's all been really impressive. Yeah. You know, I would probably be insincere, Kim. Uh, I actually thought, didn't love that trade because uh, uh, in part because I didn't know if he could handle second base. It was well, the twins didn't seem to want him to play second base. And then by putting him at second, it meant you had to take your second baseman and move him to another new position and you took another second baseman Segura and put him at third. I, I wondered about the the whole kind of moving chessboard. Why did you have belief that you could move the chessboard like that and it would work out? You know, I think again, it it really goes back to the, you know, back to Louie. And he was the he was the the hitter that we were able to add. Um, we wouldn't have made those moves without um there being a significant reason to do it. 
Um, but when you can add a guy who's, you know, who's hit 300, I think three of his four years in the big leagues, um, it's something that you really need to consider. And then I think, you know, with the mindset of the others and them being on board and understanding that that's why we were doing this. Um, yeah, I think it gave us a lot of confidence um, that, you know, that we should really consider this and, and you know, eventually, eventually, you know, execute the trade um, and make those moves. But again, you know, I think it, it really goes to the character and the personality of all of those involved from Jazz to Gene Segura, um, you know, and to our scouts, you know, who basically thought that he could play, you know, thought that Louie could play second base and he was going to be, um, he's going to be fine out there. And that's exactly what we've seen. Yeah. If I, just to wrap up, Tim, I mean, like, uh, I mean, this, this one sincerely too, is like, you're, you've always impressed me a very logical calm thinker like uh over the years you mentioned chisholm's uh metrics uh you know you use your eyes you use the numbers i mean just sitting here today again i'm kind of going back to the beginning you're 26th in runs per game you're 14th in era you're 19th in defensive run save those are numbers again that don't reflect your actual one loss record uh why do you believe in the team going forward as as a team you probably would want like to be a buyer for in the next five or six weeks because i think those numbers are you know more or less a compilation of you know something that is static i think that when you look at our club you know first of all our our pitching staff you know all of them across the board right now the ones that are in there are 27 years old or younger we're probably the youngest rotation in the big leagues right now. So that means that with these young players, you have improvement. And so I think that's what we've seen on the offense, you know, from Jesus Sanchez to Brian De La Cruz, you know, we've seen these guys the first month of the, of the season, um, you know, not have the results that we would want, but from May 1st on, if you look and you look at the swing decisions and you look at, you know, their approaches at the plate and you look at the actual outcomes and performance, you see growth and you see improvement. Um, you know, the other thing I should mention is, you know, the staff that we have in place um, spent a lot of time this offseason um, with Skip, you know, going through and, and looking at different candidates and putting together that that staff, you know, and, and Skip took a lot of painstaking time putting that staff together. Um, these guys work hard every single day with these players. And, you know, it really is, um, you know, it goes back to that word relentless and what these guys do on a daily basis. And, you know, Skip and the group have gotten everybody to buy in um, to, you know, into, into what it's supposed to look like and um, the amount of work that it takes to get better every single day. And so I think we're seeing the results of that. Um, you know, is it going to happen? Can't tell you that. But um, from, from my perspective, I think from a lot of people's perspective in the front office, as well as in that dugout, in that clubhouse, um, you've got a lot of people believing. And I think that the confidence is growing. So um, it's a good group. It's a talented group. And, um, you know, they feel they're on the rise. You know, you mentioned relentless. Your team has 20 come from behind wins this year, which I think leads the major leagues. I think it also describes the general manager of the Miami Marlins uh, and how Kim Ang rose up the ranks uh, to become the first female general manager in not just MLB in any of the four major team sports in North America. Kim, uh, John and I appreciate you joining us on the show. All right. Thank you, guys. You take care. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We thank Kim Ang. John and I, not surprised, we've known her a long time. I knew she'd be a very good guest. She was definitely a hit. John, do you have a hit or an error this week? I'm going hit. I've done a lot of errors lately. I'm going to go with the Diamondbacks. Uh, we had on last week Mike Hayes in the GM. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I made him nervous or what by mentioning that Ben Sherrington, his good friend from his old Boston days, came on and 
They didn't win a game for a week, I think. They're back. Pittsburgh's now back doing it. The Pirates GM, uh, Jarrington, was nice enough to come on, and we jinxed him, and we did not jinx Mike Hazen, and uh was nice to see that. And so we are proven as not a jinx. The Diamondbacks have been continue to be terrific. They've opened up a lead in baseball's probably second or third toughest, probably the second toughest division uh, to the AL East. And uh, obviously with the Dodgers there, the Padres, all they've spent. Giants are a pretty good team as well. So I, I give the Diamondbacks a hit. Obviously, Corbin Carroll's a star now, not even in the future. He's a star now. Uh, and they have a much better team than we ever thought. So uh, three cheers for the Diamondbacks. Great job this week. Definitely. And uh, I'll go error this way, John. We know this. Uh, uh, you really want to piss off some people in Major League Baseball. Use the term cardinal way in front of them. They hate the arrogance of it, a little bit like heat culture in the NBA. People don't like to hear it. And uh, this year, there certainly is no cardinal way. Uh, they're one of the worst defensive teams in the sport. They're one of the worst base running teams in the sport. They never addressed their starting pitching in a significant way to overcome the fact that they traded Zach Gallen and Sandy Alcantara in one trade. And you know what? It's finally reflected in the record. Uh, you know, they could usually count on beating up on the Reds and the Pirates a lot. Not only does the balanced schedule mean they get less games, but the Pirates and the Reds, quite frankly, are better, better overall and better than them right now. And so my error goes to the Cardinal way. Yeah, I don't. I I'm with you. I don't get it. They're a terrible base running team. They uh, look awful, and and they. And you know what? I, I mean, I couldn't believe that uh, Arenado. I think is the best defensive player in baseball. Certainly in the top two or three. Uh, misplayed two pop ups uh, in one game. Uh, one it looked like looked like he thought the young was calling at short. I don't know, but the ball just fell. The other one he just dropped. Uh, it's very weird what's going on with the Cardinals. Never would have predicted it. I mean, Gorman is now a star. They have a lot of hitting on that team. And, uh, you know, don't go by my prediction. Certainly not this year, but uh, this is one of my worst. I thought they'd win that division. And as of a month ago, I still thought they would get up there and win it now. I really doubt it. Yeah, well, uh, we've been uh, following it all year. We're going to continue to follow perhaps their plight the rest of the year, see if they could get out, uh, out of this. You know, if you this is the show, a podcast from the New York Post. Thank you to our producer, Andrew Hartz, who helps us every week. Thank you so much, Andrew. Don't forget the show drops on the Yes app every Wednesday at about noon. Give us a look there. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please give us a five-star rating. And stick with us on the show with Joel Sherman and John Hayman.